so I was looking at the analytics and uh, turns out we are really big in India. <laughs> I saw that too. <laughs> did you see that coming? We're did like, you have that on your bingo card? I did not. We are <laughs> famous not. in India, legitimately famous. We are. So if you're watching from India, hey, thanks. Thanks. We really appreciate you checking us out. Uh, they really love that cruise episode. Yeah. I foresee a lot of Indians on the next Royal Caribbean cruise to Mexico. That's right. That's right. Oh, wait. Royal Caribbean only goes to the Caribbean, doesn't it? Oh, no. They go to Cozumel, I believe. Oh, do they? I don't know. Actually, I don't know about Royal Caribbean. I know plenty of cruise lines who cruise the Caribbean and have one stop in Mexico, like Cancun, Cozumel. I know, but their name is Royal Caribbean. That's why I'm saying that. I know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I think... Um, yeah, I think Princess Cruise Royal Caribbean is going to see an influx of Indians on their next uh, few voyages. And, and they can thank us for that. Okay, we should be getting a percentage of that. I'm telling you right now. It should definitely be a Skip Town themed cruise. 100%. We have to call Royal Caribbean when we're done with this episode. I'm on it. <laughs> All right. So we were going to talk about Canada and a myriad of other things, but I'm so happy I got to work the word myriad into our opening. Uh, but actually, I've been working a ton so you and I actually have a lot of catching up to do, and I would like to do it today. So we are skipping all those cities and towns. We are just going to do a grab bag. Let's get it. You up for that? I am. Let's roll. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Hey, listeners. Ever wonder what it would be like to blow up your comfort zone at the tender age of 50? Well, we did just that. When our last kid went off to college, we hit the road in search of a new hometown. Now we bounce from city to city and bring you along for the ride. This is the Skip Town All-Stars podcast. Welcome back, All-Stars, to another edition of Skip Town. What's up, Trixie? <laughs> I'm doing fine. I am doing fine. You, you're exhausted. Don't, don't, don't sugarcoat it. It's been a little challenging. Not yeah. going to lie. It's been a little challenging lately. Yeah, because we have a new roommate. Why don't you fill the people in on that? Okay. So yes, my 97-year-old mother now lives with us. And when I say lives with us, she is living in uh, Florida with us. <laughs> and uh, uh, that all came about since our two episodes ago. Since yep. Yes. This came about since two episodes ago. If you heard the episode wherein I shared that my mother is 97, has dementia, lives in Colorado, and I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. Since that episode, I have figured it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. To say it lightly. Uh-huh. And the best way that I figured that situation out was a drive from Colorado to Florida that took three days and uh, my brother and sister-in-law to help me get here. Yeah. Uh, I'm not convinced that I personally would have deemed that to be the best way, but you had your reasons. What were they? I had thought about possibly renting an apartment in Colorado. Uh, that way I could take care of her. It would be very easy for her. I wouldn't have to move her. But there were so many things about that scenario that just uh, made it challenging more so on me, being that James could not be with me every single day. Uh, we have our dog, so someone has to be with the dog, even though my brother that lives in Florida takes care of the dog when we travel to be in Colorado for, you know, a 
I don't know. It could be a we year. We don't know how long. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and that would leave me really alone. Uh, so that wasn't appealing to me. Then I thought, okay, maybe I can do it on a train. Well, a train would extend it like seven days to eight days. And my mom has dementia. So that would be very difficult for her to be on a train for that long. Then the fastest route seemed to be an airplane. That would have been my choice. But you also have a very good reason for that. The thought of that just caused a lot of anxiety for me for several reasons. One is that TSA, it's just always an, it's always an X factor. I mean, are they going to make her get out of the wheelchair? Are they going to make her stand? Uh, Are they going to make her take her shoes off? Are they going to question, question me? And, you know, just that is a challenge when you're, physically able-bodied and you are walking in it with a happy face. Mm -hmm. So that was the first onset. Then I thought, well, when I get to the gate, okay, I have two hours. I have to sit with her at the gate, all the stimulation around her, all the sounds, all the people, how is she going to do with that? She Mm -hmm. again is 97 and has dementia. Okay. We get past the gate. We get on the plane. What if it's sitting on the tarmac? What, because that has happened to me on more than one occasion. Okay. Let's forget the tarmac. What if the flight gets canceled? So I've gone through TSA. I've sat there for two hours and this flight gets canceled. Let's say none of that happens and I end up on this flight. What if she has an accident on the plane? I was already contemplating buying a first class ticket because I thought we'll give her more room. It will give me more room with her. I can help her with her things. But if she has an accident, doesn't matter whether I sit in first class or coach, it's going to be problematic. Okay, what if I need to help her in the bathroom? Those bathrooms I can barely fit in. I'm going to have to leave the door open to help her. What if I get an airline attendant who isn't understanding, who had a bad day? Okay, my mom doesn't stop talking. It's a it's a side effect of her dementia. She's always been a talker, mm-hmm. but this is tenfold. So for instance, the very first day on our drive, she spoke for 10 hours straight. And it didn't matter how often I asked her to please just stop talking. She could not. And I, I just don't know how she didn't get lockjaw. Like she was talking <laughs> so much. Nobody on an airplane would have put up with that, whether we sat in coach or business. In fact, I think business would have been worse because they're paying a couple thousand dollars for a seat. They don't want to hear someone talking from the moment they get on the plane to the moment they get off the plane. People are already agitated when they're getting on a flight. Everyone is agitated. And then to have someone who's talking nonstop. After my very first 10 hours with her in the car, I realized we had made the best decision and Oh really? You knew it that soon. Absolutely. Ten hours in. Absolutely. Like you texted me the next day and said, I think you made a mistake by driving. And I absolutely knew I had made the correct decision. And when I had said to my brother the next day, James thinks we made a mistake by driving, he was like, We would have gotten kicked off the plane. He said they would have they would have turned that plane around if she were on it. And um I don't know if we would have gotten kicked off. I just think we would have had super aggressive people at the end of that flight side-eyeing us. And I don't want that. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you see all these stories on social media where like mothers with autistic children or what have you oh, like yeah. run into all these problems with- Like nobody cares. Vicious, they, vicious passengers. I think people forget it's a public 
plane. If yeah. you want to have a nice, quiet, relaxing flight, I don't know, you could do that WestJet thing or whatever it's called, share a jet with somebody for like five grand. But you can't get on a public plane and be mad because there's a crying baby, an autistic kid, and an old woman. You know? I mean, yeah. It's like, it's, it's like, true. it's like autistic baby, it's a crying baby, autistic kid, and old woman walked on a plane. Yeah. Like, I mean, end the joke there. So, okay. So you left Castle Rock. We did. It was hard. It was really, really hard. On the second day, I was just crying in the second row. Like I had my sunglasses on and I just thought, did I make the right decision here? Because the first day, as much as I tried to plan it out, I made some mistakes of my own. I suggested we drive a little bit longer than I normally ever would, mm -hmm. but I thought that my mom would sleep. The hospice nurses gave me a basically a chill pill it's not a sleeping pill because you can't give a person her age a sleeping pill uh but it was like to relax her they suggested i gave it to her in the morning in the afternoon and then in the evening they said that way it will just relax her on the drive because she's going to be anxious very anxious yeah. not knowing where she is okay those pills did not work no, they did the opposite. So if you have a child, you you will know what I'm talking about. And you give your kid Benadryl to like calm them down on a flight or if they're not feeling well, sometimes it can work against you and that kid is bouncing off the walls. Mm -hmm. That is what these pills did. Um, I think they work when you're in a controlled environment, but because she didn't know where she was, um, where she was going and what time of the day it was because in the car, you know, she was like, is it morning? Is it afternoon? Is it evening? I would say to her, oh, it's five o'clock, but the sun was still out. So it didn't look anywhere near close to evening. It was just extremely confusing. So those pills <laughs> did not work. Mm. So what ended up happening our first night, I suggested we drive four hours longer. So I figured my mom would be sleeping. The sun is setting. Uh, the pill, the third pill would definitely take effect, even though the other two did not. No, no. She was crying. She was saying she wanted to get off this train. Then she said she wanted to get off the plane. Then um, she kept saying, like, help me, somebody come get me. Uh, it was really bad. And we couldn't, well, we could have, but we didn't stop and stay at a hotel sooner than the four hours because I made the other mistake of booking a hotel while we were driving, thinking she would be asleep. Right. And you could just make it further. We can't because I just spent $400 on two hotel rooms mm -hmm. that are still two hours away. Yeah. So the first night I caused problems for everyone, my brother, my sister-in-law, my mom and me. So my mom didn't sleep at all. We get to the hotel. She didn't sleep. So Tuesday, I think I was on four. She didn't even sleep at the hotel? Maybe three hours. I don't know. And I slept three then as well. So Tuesday we wake up and I just started crying like in the car. It was bad choices and um, a hard lesson learned. Uh, well, I think you're being a little hard on yourself because who really embarks on a journey like that, A, unless they have to, and B, there's no real template for that. Here's the thing I can tell you. I would have given her those three pills on the airplane, and that would have been, been really been bad. disastrous. Maybe you should have been the one to take the pills. I know, but then who would have cared for her? <laughs> I agreed. I wanted to take the pills. I actually, I actually didn't want to show up 
the next day, like when my brother and sister-in-law were waiting for me in the lobby, I was like, I'm just not going down there. I'm oh just not gosh. going down they had there. Her, they had her and everything all loaded up and they're like, let's go. I, no, I was going to put her in the elevator and hit the down button and just stay in my room and hide. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. They would have come looking for you. Oh yeah. They were the, they were the designated drivers. <laughs> okay. Here's the funny thing. On the second night, my brother insisted upon rooms that join. I swear it was like he did it to make sure I wouldn't leave. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's really funny. You didn't tell me that. Yeah. Uh, he really wanted rooms that join. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So maybe he did it because he wanted to make sure I seriously would not leave. Yeah. Well, okay. So on the trip and just in general, you have these moments where you realize like she's still in there, right? Oh. She is still her own personality. And to set this up quickly, uh, we're talking devout Catholic all her life, loves drinking, loves gambling, occasionally loves cursing like a sailor. Uh-huh. And for the most part, it's always angling for some sort of edge in a negotiation. Always. Or, you know. Try- oh, that woman would walk into a Macy's and start like bartering. And I would say to her, totally. we are at Macy's. Yeah. Like you're not getting $10 off this top. Uh-huh. Teaching my children how to like get to the front of the line. Oh, all that stuff. Always. Yeah. <laughs> so she's like, she's like, she's not the, she's not the nanny that sits and sips tea on the patio. No. She is not that person. Not at all. And you've had glimmers of that. Oh yeah. More than glimmers. I mean, there are chunks of time during every single day. I can say now that she's here with us, uh, where she's totally there. 100%. And here's a great example first day on the road. So, you know, I plan, you know, look, James and I have been traveling, so I'm pretty good at doing doing a lot of stuff when it comes to road travel. One of them is making sure we stop down and have a meal at a good restaurant. So my brother was more of like the, let's grab a sandwich and stay driving. And I was like, oh no, uh-uh. even if we go off four or five miles, we're sitting down at a nice restaurant and having a meal. He was kind of like, oh, we got to go another five, 10 miles. That's how I, was, I am. Yeah. And I, was I have like, to admit I'm the same way. No, I made him do it. And he was, look, in the end, he was grateful. It was this cute little German restaurant and we sit in a booth. And the first thing my mom says to all of us is, Let's do shots. I, I look at her like, <laughs> I, what did, I literally was like, old woman, what did you just say? So my brother goes, no, mom, we are not doing shots. And she said, why? There's a bar here. So then we realized really quickly that she had been drinking a lot when she was living in Colorado. Yeah. And it wasn't like the occasional cocktail. She was drinking daily. Yeah. Uh, so when she got to here in Florida... She was going through she the She was deep. drying out. She was totally drying out. My girlfriend called it the DTs. Yeah, you get <laughs> delirium tremens. Yeah, when she, you've been drinking a lot for a long time, and then you're coming down, your hands shake and everything, and you're just agitated. Yeah, Nanny was having the DTs. She was having the DTs, for so, sure. okay. She was in rehab. Florida's been rehab for her so far. Yeah, it is true. And she keeps trying to get a cocktail from someone at all times. And so, I mean, I'll give her a glass of lemonade and she'll say, is there something in it? And I'll say, yeah, lemonade. And she'll look at me and go, you know what I mean? I'm like, no, mom, it's lemonade. Okay. So then the second day, it's the evening and we're driving, you know, it's dark, it's dark in the minivan, it's dark outside. And she, we're sitting in captain chairs. So there's space in between our chairs of the second row in the minivan. She puts her hand over to touch my leg. And she says, Denise, 
is that you? Because she can't really see me because it's so dark in the minivan. And she rubs my leg a little bit. And I say, yeah, mom, it's me. And she stops with the rubbing of her leg. She squeezes my thigh and says, have you gained weight? (laughs) And I said, yes, because I have. And she said, oh, okay. That is so my mother. She's obsessed with weight. So the fact that she said that, I just shook my head. I was like, that woman is still in there. That woman couldn't see, can't hear, but could tell I gained weight. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's still in there for sure. The best part of her still being in there is that, and I know this burns your ass, but I'm the favorite out of the family. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I've always been the favorite. She and I were instant allies, I guess, because we had a common foe. <laughs> Would that be me? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And so she and I have always like had a shorthand with each other, like since the day we met, which is really great. Um, But uh, she does this thing where I just show up and she starts thanking me profusely for everything. Uh Uh-huh. That really gets on your nerves. Oh, yeah. The other day, I'm getting her ready. I did her hair, her makeup. I dressed her. (sighs) I gave her a shower. We're walking out the door. And as we're passing James in the office, she says to him, thank you for everything. And what did I say? You looked at her and you said, mom, he hasn't done jack shit. That's exactly what I said. Uh Uh-huh. He hasn't done jack shit. And then I think I flipped you off. You did. (laughs) And I said really loudly, so I was sure that she could hear. I said, you're so welcome, mom. I love you so much. It's so annoying. We're in the car. Okay. So we're we're driving, right? And she said something that annoyed my brother. And my brother said, he was in the passenger seat. My sister-in-law is driving. I'm in the back seat. This is like day three, okay? And he says, you know what? He's like, everything I'm doing for her and all she's going to remember is so-and-so, whoever she was talking about. And I didn't even look up. I was like on my phone doing something. And I just said to him, you know what? Get in line. I'm the one that's going to be showering her and wiping her tushy. And she isn't even going to remember me. So get in line. True statement. She's going to remember me, which is the most important thing. Yeah, she will remember me. She won't remember me. She won't remember my brother. She'll remember you. I know. Uh I I think you, not so much you, but your brothers especially, they dip into this thing where it's like they feel like they have to tell her the truth, even in her current state. Whereas like for me, she had a memory of, I guess, when she was sort of in the interim hospice phase at the clinic. And uh, she just didn't have a great memory of being there. I think she just remembered she had to be there for a few days. For whatever reason, she felt like somebody had slighted or maligned her there and she wanted to sue them. Yeah. She thought one of the doctors did her dirty. So you and your brothers were like, no, mom, we're not suing them. They took really good care of you. You were trying to, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to implant the actual memory, which should be a good one. Like these people really went out of their way to take great care of you. They do what they do very well and all that. And one morning she just brought it up again and I was sitting across the table from her. We were having coffee and I looked right at her and I said, you know what, mom, you're right. Let's sue the shit out of them. (laughs) (laughs) And after that, she hasn't brought it up since. It is true. When you agree with her, she usually drops it. So I am a firm believer in agreeing with her. uh, But I also, in that particular case, didn't feel like she should, you know, 
talk so poorly about those people. I know she's in, she had dementia. I should just let it go. And I didn't, but yeah, it's victimless. They're not even around <laughs> her anymore. They don't know. So well, the funny thing about that place, just heads up real quick. Um, I have to share because this there's, if you can find moments of humor, you have to. So the day I came to get her, she has all of her things packed. They're wheeling her down the corridor to, uh, you know, put her in my car. And I look at her and she doesn't have her teeth in. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I stopped them. I said, where's her teeth? And they're like, what, what? I'm like, she doesn't have her bottom teeth in. So we all have to stop. And it's a panic because I'm taking her on a road trip. I mean, this woman has to eat and she has no bottom teeth. Mm. And so all of a sudden the nurses are going from like uh, patient to patient going, Rachel, smile. Let's see. Do, whose teeth are you have today? Yeah. Cheryl, smile. That is so Sylvia. awesome. Uh-huh. And my brother is tearing apart her her stuff. And he's saying to me, do you know how expensive dentures are? Do you? And I, oh my gosh. And they I, had to lock down cell block D just to get the dentures. Uh, and I said to him, I go, forget the cost. Like she's, how's she going to eat for the next three days? You know, because I thought, well, if I get to Florida, I can find a someplace to, you know, get her dentures. But how, what are we going to do the next three days? We're going to have pudding on the road. And so anyway. Anyway, thankfully, her teeth were put in someone else's container by accident. But going from like patient to patient to see whose that teeth they had in. Killer, killer <laughs> nursing home, nursing home humor there. My God. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so we made it. We're here. So travel is going to look a little bit different for us in the coming months. It is. But uh, I'm excited. I actually missed a great deal of Guilford while you were there. I was stuck in Hartford working. And I'm excited. I'm going up this week, actually, to check out what you have fallen in love with. Yeah, I'm. I'm really excited for you to spend more more time there. Uh, I, I think you'll fall in love with it as much as I have. Okay. Well, eager to see. I'm also going to be checking out that entire region. I'm going to visit my buddy Jeff in Newtown. Oh, uh, about time. Very excited for that. Yes. Jeff uh, even posted something. He's rolling out the red carpet for you. I saw nice. like, something on Facebook or Instagram where he made a, a really sweet comment that, you know, he has a he has a red carpet rolled out for you. That's awesome. I can't wait. Jeff is one of my old roommates from way back in the day. I lived in Orlando for like two years and it didn't go well for me, but Jeff was, you know, one of those just steady rocks as a friend. Well, now so, you have a redo. Yeah. Now we get a redo. Now <laughs> I get to show him. I actually was able to grow up and make something of myself. Well, I bet you had a redo in Orlando. Oh, if you wanted. No, <laughs> I do not. So, uh, but it's good because I can still go explore that area. And, uh, and if we are zoning in on that whole region of Connecticut or what have you, I'm happy I get to experience it now uh, at a greater level than I did when we were actually there last time. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Okay. So enough of that. Yeah. Mom settled in, always trying to grab the bottle of vodka. We're not looking. Totally. Always raiding the liquor cabinet. Uh-huh. I bet half of those bottles are half water at oh, this point. I'm sure they are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's really quiet in the middle of the night. Oh, but when you're watching TV, you hear her. When you're, you're up watching late, TV. Like you're like, you, okay, what's the deal with football? Cause you like, are you really watching football? Cause you tell me you're watching football, but I'm like, ah, oh, what's going on back there? Okay. So here's the deal. Uh, it's a little bit of a different experience. So for 26 years on the West coast, I was used to on Saturdays specifically waking up and watching college football at like by 10 AM, the games are on. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it would be breakfast and coffee and hanging out with the kids totally fits my lifestyle. I wake up early. I don't like to stay up late. 
it's been pretty brutal here. I'm not going to lie on the East Coast. Like it's an adjustment getting used to watching football again because the late game on Sunday doesn't start until 9 p.m. And on the West Coast, it would obviously start at 6 Six. p.m. And I was like, okay, and I would still get a full night's sleep. I'm up till like 12:30 for the engaging games. I'm I'm just not used to it. Is that an optimal time for players to play at nine o'clock at night? I think they get hyped up, truthfully, like playing under the lights and all that. Okay. But lights can go on at seven. I don't even understand why nine. It's so late. I'm like, what? Well, they do it so that there is a block on the, like, it doesn't make sense to start a game at 4 p.m. Like Monday night football, you couldn't start it at 4 p.m. on the West Coast. No, but you can start Oh, because people are at work. They're still working. I got it. Nobody's going to okay, watch it. Okay, okay, okay. So they'll start it at six. Got it. You'll be sitting in LA traffic for the f- whole first quarter. And then by the time you get home, you can watch the rest of the game with dinner. So, okay. And everybody on the East Coast is obviously, you know, the kids are to bed. Okay. All that stuff. And so guys can go down into their little man cave or whatever and hang out and watch the game until, you know, until the end of the night. So, but it's been an adjustment for me. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm not used to staying up that late. There are, there are games where I'm completely interested in the outcome of the game, but I either have to drink coffee before (laughs) the game starts or I'm fighting sleep in the fourth quarter, you know? That's not fun. No, it's not fun. It's, I'll get used to it. You got to suffer for the things you love. It's just how it is sometimes. So, uh, but the one thing that I have to say I'm legit tired of hearing about is how Taylor Swift has shown up to a couple games. Oh, stop like, it. I'm kind of over it. She's made him famous. She made tra- Travis Kelsey <laughs> yeah, famous? She made him famous. She, she did not. She, <laughs> she made him famous with twisties. What are they called? Swifties. Swifties. Oh my God. You said <laughs> Twisties. Taylor Sw- Swisties. Swifties. Swifties. Yeah. All right. That makes more sense. But anyway, uh, yeah, she made him famous with Swifties and like legit. Like, I like the Kelsey brothers. There's actually another brother, believe it or not. I know that. Yeah. I, I know a lot about that. I know Donna. You know everything oh, about them now. Yeah, I know who Donna yeah. is. His Who's mother. Donna? His mother. Donna's the mom. She's on the commercials. Um, but he anyway, has a podcast. He is a he Pfizer. Does. He does Pfizer ads. I know. I know a lot about there's Travis. An, there's an Amazon documentary on them. Kelsey versus Kelsey. They're two teams. The Philadelphia Eagles. Jason Kelsey is the center for that team, and Travis Kelsey is the tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. They met in the Super Bowl last year, so there's a little documentary about all that. Uh, anyway, if you know football, you know who Travis Kelsey is. Uh, well, now you do. No, no, seriously. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I think a lot of people know. No, seriously. Anyway, I, you know, she showed up to the Chiefs game and Patrick Mahomes did a little wave oh, to her. Oh, so the, yeah, that was so cute. That was so cute. It was cute for a minute. It was like fun Look, and funny. For sh- me, it was a perfect merge because I love football. I know who Travis Kelsey is. My daughters love Taylor Swift. It was like the whole family was in on this little thing for 24 hours. But then, I, I mean, and then she came to the Jets game. And oh, and she brought an entourage of celebrities. Oh, she oh, did. Yeah. she Of course. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, after the Jets game, I was like, okay, time's up on this topic. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, As a oh, sports really? fan. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Like, we're over this. Okay. So it's like, great. Like, people have discovered the NFL. It, it, I think it is good publicity for the NFL, like not taking anything away. Um, but, okay, there are more compelling stories if you're an actual football fan. And it's soaked up so much time. You know, I listen to a lot of sports radio. Mm-hmm. I watch 
ESPN after the games oh, so I can hear what everybody had to say about the game that I just watched. Uh-huh. It makes no sense. You just you watch the highlight reel when you just watch the whole game. Okay. I suck it all up because uh-huh. I love how the announcers like work in their funny comments and everything. I'm just a fan. I'm a fan. So but so much bandwidth has been given okay, to so this what Taylor have they Swift been saying? thing. What have the guys been saying? It's a story in every single broadcast. So I think that's why NFL fans, like real football fans, are like, okay, enough. We get it. He's dating her. But it was funny. I was listening to one radio show and I... It was weird because the announcers on the radio show were just such sports junkies. Uh-huh. I don't think they realize like there's this whole ecosphere going on of Taylor Swift and her billion dollar concerts or tours or whatever. Oh, because like, they said something stupid, I bet. They actually did. They were like, you know, is Travis Kelsey more popular? Like, is he slumming by dating Taylor Swift? Oh, they actually said that. They did say that. They're like, he's better at what he does than she is at what she does. Holy But they were like kind of moly. Two of them were older guys. And so I, they were holding her up to like Madonna, Michael Jackson, all these like Prince, all these mega pop stars. And she is. She, she is that version and more. She has sold more concert tickets, merch, albums. She's redoing albums. She's lit, like she's totally remaking albums that she already released. Yeah. Just for the sake of not having to pay licensing fees or whatever to this guy that she hates. Scooter Braun. She's sticking it to him. Yeah. But anyway, she's so she's got two of the same albums out over and over and over again. And people were still like consuming oh, yeah. mass consumption of the new. You bought the new albums, just so you know. I did? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> the, the, girl, the girls all bought it. So I bought their tickets cr- too, didn't <laughs> yeah, I? Yeah. yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it was funny because... I mean, just looking at the dollar value alone between Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, there's no comparison. Oh. I, I, there was a part of me as he was, as these guys were spooling off their half-baked knowledge where I was like, uh, it's kind of like Tom Brady and Giselle, you know? And I am, I'm only five years old when it comes to learning that Giselle made a gazillion dollars more than Tom Brady. I always thought for <laughs> years, like over a decade, I thought he was the breadwinner no. in that relationship. No. I mean, you know the and joke. you clued me in. Yeah. Me. And the joke was in their divorce, she was going to pay him alimony. alimony. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Tom Brady yeah. living off the tip. She makes like in one day of the catwalk that he has to like, I think, yeah. play four games. The, the like, winningest quarterback in NFL history. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah. And he's got a sugar mama. He did. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, as that was going on, I'm like, no, it's like as I was listening to them, I'm like these guys are so stupid. Like they don't realize Travis Kelsey, monetarily speaking, at least, and actually fame and popularity wise speaking, at least. He's like Mr. Oprah. What's <laughs> Stedman? Stedman. It's he's Travis. the Stedman in the relationship. <laughs> like, like he's legit. He is Stedman. He is. Ste- he's gonna be carrying. He's gonna be carrying Taylor's handbag. Totally. You know what though? I don't think he would care. He does not seem to have an ego. He's a super nice guy. Like, but no, but he, he seems like a super nice guy. Okay. He doesn't seem because all okay. We've all talked about this at home. Like we know Taylor, um, she needs to date somebody who isn't afraid of her fame, and he does not seem to be afraid of her fame at no. all. He was like, "Bring it, girl." Yeah, and I mean, there's a huge population out there that thinks this is just a publicity stunt or whatever. But oh, it's he, not. He's so good natured about even if it is. 
he's so good natured about it. He's just like, yeah, you know, like I'm on this crazy ride with Taylor Swift and, you know, wherever it goes, it goes. And in a year, she'll be in a year. She'll be crushing me in a song. So like <laughs> she'll be totally destroying my character in a song a year from it'll now. It'll be a huge hit. There's so many guys standing in line to be a topic in a Taylor Swift song. Oh, yeah. I would love to have broken her heart and her write a song about me for sure. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. It is really funny how like the average guy and understandably we're not in the demographic to be Taylor Swift fans. Right. I just, I know that I would never have considered Taylor Swift had, if I didn't have three daughters who loved her, uh -huh. right? Like who absolutely would spend every last dollar on her. And they have. And yeah, every Yours last, too. my dollars. And the fact that she can sell out all these tours She's recreating all these albums. She's got all the merch. She's got all she's the got music videos. Out. She's got Grammy after Grammy after oh. Grammy after Grammy. It's like, she's really industrious. Like, does the girl ever sleep? Oh, I don't think so. I, I Okay. Wow. That is a great question. Because anyone who's ever read an autobiography or has even heard of anyone successful uh, in an interview, they all talk about the minimal amount of sleep they get. Every successful person sleeps like four hours. They get up at like five in the morning. They go to bed at like 1 a.m. Oh, I mean, yeah. seriously, like. Well, yeah, we, we were talking about Oprah just a second ago, but she is actually the quintessential oh. sort of example for this because she's either like this biphasic or polyphasic sleeper. The woman never sleeps. Right, which means she sleeps for like an hour or two or 20 minutes during the day or three hours at night, three hours in the afternoon. And, and her schedule is so yeah. magnified. It's insane. That woman seriously doesn't sleep. You wonder how people get so much accomplished in a day, like an Oprah, like a Jennifer Lopez, like a Jeff Bezos. How are they, how do they have movie and clothing and yeah. Oprah's got a network and she's got a magazine. It's like, how? Well, cause they don't freaking sleep. They yeah. don't sleep. I never understood it because I was always taught and read and heard in order for you to be functioning, you need to get sleep. Yeah. Are they like- how are they doing it? I uh, year after year after year. I mean, yes. and it's like to hear her sort of nap schedule in the <laughs> afternoon. She normally like nods off for like a half hour or something. I, I have never been able to sleep for just a half hour in my life. They must be going into her dressing room and hitting her with a tranquilizer dart that wears <laughs> off like 30 minutes later. Like she must have an MD on site uh -huh. at all times. Oprah or an needs to go, yeah. An anesthesiologist, right? Oprah needs to go down for an hour. She hasn't, yeah, she hasn't yeah. slept all day. All I think like, honestly, when I think about people like Oprah or like a Jeff Bezos or a Bill Gates, I think of them literally walking around their house at like one in the morning with their slippers on and they're going to make massive moves when 7 a.m. Totally. <laughs> totally. She's calling Jeff Bezos. She's like, hey, Jeff, I know you're up. How's it going? You know? And Jeff's like, oh, sorry. Excuse me one second. Alexa, how many Roku's have we sold in the last 90 days? You know? And she's like, well, Jeff, uh, you've sold 9,422,000 Roku's in the last, you know, whatever. And he's like, okay, Oprah, I'm sorry. I'm with you. And it's like 2.30 in the morning. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all the, all the billionaires get on the phone with each other at weird times. Oh, probably. Yeah. There's no question about it. Uh, yeah, I would agree with you. I do find it interesting, uh, speaking about early morning, because I actually thought to myself, how am I ever going to be successful when I can't get up before <laughs> 8 a.m.? It's really bothered me like my entire life. Yeah. My entire life, it has bothered me that I've not been able to get up before 8 a.m. And well, I don't own Amazon. 
I don't own you do not own network. I am not a big movie star. So you I think not. it has something to do with it. Do you are you a firm believer that you have to wake up early to be successful? I do. I it just the proof is in the pudding. As I, do I. I have not met a single world changer entrepreneur who is successful in his own right who wakes up at noon yeah i have not i i bet if we talk to anyone do you think tom brady wakes up at noon absolutely not okay so it made me think about these new entrepreneurs i'm reading about i don't know if they're considered new yeah some have been around forever yeah so one of the most popular ones is tim ferris i mean he has of uh, books on the New York Times bestseller about this four hour work week. I call bullshit on that. I literally call bullshit on it. And I think he's doing a disservice to people who think that is possible because anyone who has ever run a business knows you cannot run a successful business on a four hour work week. It doesn't matter if you run a dry cleaner or if you're Mark Cuban and you're running the D Dallas Mavericks. I mean, there is not a single successful person I have met in my life who has become successful on, on, on the business model of a four-hour work week. So when I see that, my blood boils. I mean, really, my blood boils. I know somebody, it was a neighbor of ours, yeah. who bought his book and decided she was going to change her life. She was a business owner, and she was going to adhere by the four-hour work week. Do you know what happened to her? Tell me. You know what happened to her. I do know what happened to her, <laughs> but I'm having you tell me so you can tell everyone else. Uh, she had to move in with her mother-in-law because they couldn't pay their bills. I know that we put an exorbitant amount of emphasis on how long people stay at the office to the detriment of workers in this country. Like, I think it's a bad message that we send where, you know, you have to stay at the office for 60 plus hours a week or what have you to be able to make a living or to do well and be successful and all that. Sure. There are industries where you have to do that, especially in the beginning. Uh, but I don't think it's right to glorify that sort of lifestyle. Take it from me. I've done it. I do it. And it's not great, but there's got to be a happy medium because if you're going to four hours a week from 60 hours a week, okay. like give me a break. Let's be honest. Okay. Tim Ferriss grew up as a rich kid on the East Coast. He went to a private boarding school. He went to, I think it was University of Pennsylvania. He's a rich kid. Uh, he started a internet-based uh, supplement company while he was working a full-time job. So he was working more than four hours a week. Oh, 100% to say you should only work four hours a week. Right. Or you have those entrepreneurs who say, oh, you need to cut down and, and, and find balance and, you know, do yoga and, you know, have your morning meditation. Okay. You weren't doing that when you were hustling, trying to get your business off the ground. You're writing that in your book because you can do it now because you just sold your business for like $30 million. But any real business owner, real business owner who, who wasn't a rich kid, yeah. whose parents didn't pay his electric bill, who um, was starting off seriously, just rubbing their two coins together to make this happen, will tell you they slept it and ate that business seven days a week, yeah. 365 days a year until it finally hit. I mean, I don't know. Do you think Gary V tells people to work a three-day work week? Every time I see Gary V in a video or anywhere, 
he's always got his earbuds in. He's constantly working. He's constantly putting out content. He puts more than four hours of content out a day, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. And that doesn't even count all the behind the scenes work. I have a question. If someone goes on Gary Vee's show and asks him, how can I make my business successful by working a three-day work week? What do you say? What do you think Gary Vee would say? I think Gary Vee is going to quickly show them the door. Yeah. yeah he's going to be like, my okay, time. Time, to, time to wrap up this conversation. Next caller, please. Yeah. So you work in TV. I do. Grueling hours. Yes. Uh, okay. Let's talk about Mark Burnett. He is one of the most well-known creators on television. What, Survivor, Shark Tank. The Apprentice. The Apprentice. Um, do you think Mark Burnett works a four-hour work week, James? I don't know anyone in television who works a four-hour work week, especially Mark Burnett. Okay, so hold on. If you got hired by Mark Burnett and told him you only worked four hours a week... I adhere to the four-hour work week plan? Yeah. Yeah. I would last four hours on that job. (laughs) (laughs) I would last exactly four hours. All right, hold on. By the third hour, they would be calling somebody to replace me for my second four hours. All right, going back to Mark Cuban and Shark Tank, because we just mentioned Shark oh, yeah, Tank. Yeah, Mark, okay. Mark Cuban's a great example. Hold on. Do you think if a, if somebody came on there and said to the sharks, hey, this is my business. Yeah, I'm, I'm only- offering you this much. <laughs> I'm offering a 10% share and I need $200,000. And I just want you to know I adhere to a four-hour work week. The shark. <laughs> Shark Tank. It wouldn't even make air. Like they wouldn't even broadcast that segment. It would just be, I I haven't watched Shark Tank in forever, but you know, on every competition or reality show or whatever, they always have that like montage of goofballs who come in. Like if you watch America's Got Talent, they show you like the weirdos that came in like bang, bang, bang. And they'll do a stretch of like six of those. I have a show idea. If you were the four hour work week guy, if you came in with a four, you would be in that montage. Like you would be one of the dorks. Let's have let's let's pitch this to Mark. Okay. Let him do a Shark Tank episode of people that want to run a business. I won't even give it a four hour work week. Let's be generous. Let's do a four day work week. A four day work week. Yeah. Have everyone come on the show, just one episode where they pitch the sharks mm-hmm. on their business, but there's only four days a week they're going to work. I don't think they're gonna get very far <laughs> in their pitches. So? No, I don't. Wasn't there some like rich kid in New York that was like surfing couches or something oh yeah there's another podcaster okay so we're talking about a whole era though of podcasting like i've been listening it's not just to- podcasting. no no though. but let me finish there's a whole era of podcasters where the top 10 or 15 podcasters were all just sort of spouting bullshit for lack of a better word for the longest time tim ferris was obviously one of them popular for a very long time he the- still is there was another guy called the liver king who i don't know who that is oh like he He's been all over, especially if you're into phys- physical fitness. Like if you're if you're the type of person that wants to get yoked, he was preaching just eat raw liver, raw liver, raw liver, raw that's liver. That's really bad for you because there's toxins in it from the animals. Well, it's organic raw liver, so come on, you know, it's like if you can't pony up for organic but raw liver, liver, cleans out your body. Uh, anyway, okay. all that to say, you know, years later, it's figured out like he like there were actual emails. Somebody came. And on YouTube, on their own channel, who uh, for physical fitness came and said, "Oh, the Liver King petitioned me to get him steroids," and so he's been on steroids. No. So he actually has admitted it. He's still he's still popular. He's still famous. Like he's still on. Uh, he was on Burt Kreischer's podcast. Like I don't know, maybe less than a year ago or something like that. My point is, there was a 
sort of wild, wild west era where you can just come on and say anything. Like there's a guy, there's a guy named James Altucher who actually, you know, he had entertaining content or whatever, but he was a like, he was sort of preaching this, give up your worldly possessions. The undercurrent of his lifestyle was he was couch surfing and he had given up his worldly possessions and he was divorced and he was still able to see his kids and still live happily. And all. he was couch surfing in fairness, but he was couch surfing in like Manhattan. So oh, okay. because he had wealthy friends. And like $20 so, million dollar apartments. Yeah. So it's really easy to your point, it's really easy to work a four-hour work week or go without your worldly possessions when you have this safety net of wealth. <laughs> it's just going to catch you when, you know, when the when the jig is up and when people stop buying your book. So anyway, I just when I hear the I remember the four-hour work week vaguely. And I do remember you telling me our old neighbors were moving because they couldn't cover the rent anymore. And uh, you know, that four-hour work week didn't work. It didn't. I think the moral of the story is don't live my lifestyle and work a trillion hours a week, right? But also don't live the four-hour work week lifestyle. It's not going to get you anywhere. No, not at all. A uh, perfect example is one of our listeners, Bert Stewart. What up, Bert? We have talked to him at length about how he's wanted to retire since he was like, what, five years old or whatever. Yeah. So, But he's managed a, he's not doing a four-hour work week for oh, no. starters, but he has managed a way to budget and achieve all the things that he wants to do in his personal life, like travel, go to events there in Covington, Kentucky, all that other stuff, and work the exact amount of hours to get that done so that he can live his life. So he's a great example of balance, in my view, because he's living a fulfilling life, and yet he's still holding down a job and still has a very niche career uh, where he's able to do it. And then at the same time, you know, you have people like... Um, like our friend Mel, who loves baking, loves cooking of all sorts. And when you and I pitched her on like, let's let's do a little, you know, teaser reel or something. Let's do something. She's like, no, I do it because I enjoy it. Yeah. It's not because I want to, you know, I don't want the pressure of having to do it every day. It would take all the fun out of it for me. So I respect people like that for sure. Yeah. But Americans have a way of, you know, uh, just glorifying working themselves to death. It's true. And um, I'm not saying, and I know that you're not saying that you have to do that to be successful. But what I'm also saying is that don't be a joker and tell people you can work a four hour work week when you really can't and be successful at no. whatever career you pick. Yeah, for sure. It does remind me a little bit of a conversation I had with Mary and Gary, my friends I met in the uh, Egypt and Jordan episode oh, okay. that Bill and I hung out with. Yeah, they're from the States. They are. And uh, they're both very successful. Like the fact that they can travel the globe right now and everything is a testament to all the work they've put into their respective industries over the years and everything. He's a business um, owner, right? He he sold his business. Yeah. He, uh, so Gary, actually, the thermal paper that everybody uses to print iron-ons from yeah. their own printer at home, like if you want to do your own little thing for your for your baseball team or whatever, uh, he invented the thermal paper that does that. Like the printing, the oh, printing, the he's a chemist. The print manufacturers, so like Canon, HP, all the uh, they had to figure out a way to modify their existing printers at the time to do two-sided printing 
to accommodate Gary's paper. Oh, so wow. anybody who prints two-sided paper right now, you should give a shout out to my friend Gary because he's the one who actually sort of forced the hand for them to be able to do this. But it opened up a whole new, like all the paper that they were able to sell. It's just, you know, you don't make money off the printers. You make it off the ink and the paper, you know? And so, uh, so obviously Gary's done really well for himself. He's an art, he's an art collector. He's an art, he's, dealt art and sold art and stuff over the years. But anyway, the conversation that I had with Gary and Mary was, I said, well, I just want to invest in something like a restaurant or this or that, what have you, but I don't want to be there for it. And they both looked at me like I had bats flying out of my head. They're like, there's no way. There's no business out there. There's no passive income you're going to get unless you personally are like have skin in the game in the beginning. Agreed. And it's true. I, the more I thought about it, I'm like, I don't know. You could be an investor. You can be a venture capitalist and all this other stuff, but that capital has to come from somewhere. So you either have to put the work in to find rich people to start your fund. Uh-huh. Sales, that's a lot of work. Yes. Like I know a lot of salespeople. So you're still working it. Hustling, hustling. And, you know, eventually it beca- it can become passive if you're great with money and you you're great at financing and all that other stuff and how to make how to take your dollars and send them out like little soldiers. This is a Shark Tank reference. I forget the guy's name, but sends them out like little soldiers every day to bring back captives, uh-huh. more more soldiers. And so uh, if you're great at that, then obviously it could feel a little more passive, but you still have to manage the fund every month. Like all those guys are not working four-hour weeks, you know? Gary probably didn't. Gary definitely did not work a four hour week and it shows because he's <laughs> living the life right now. Like they travel to the coolest places. That's so, awesome. Yes. Uh, it's a template for where you and I are hopefully headed one day. Yep. So for, absolutely. I don't know. I feel like that whole vibe has like sort of fallen by the wayside. Do you? I, I hope so. I mean, no, I don't know. I think there are still people out there super disingenuous. You think there are still like disciples of that, huh? Oh, I think there are people who have hit it big and then write these books oh, yeah, and yeah. tout this lifestyle Agreed. that they never Agreed. lived prior to hitting it big. I know. Um, but I there's know. a sucker born every minute. I mean, you know? That's true. There's always somebody who's going to buy a book like that. I don't know. Look, you show me someone who's working a four-hour work week and I'll show you a trust fund baby. It's that simple. I can't put any better lid on this topic than you just put. I'll tell you that. You really nailed it with that comment. It's true. But I will say you and I have learned some tough lessons recently about efficiency. Oh, yes, and we have. how we're going to run the podcast and all that stuff. You would think a year and a half in, we would not be here learning this now. Like we would have learned it sooner. Yeah. I think the... Best example I can give of how outrageously inefficient our travel slash work life slash, you know, working remotely, finding new towns uh, had become was when I was recently lugging an iMac on the top of our car all the way to Canada. That was, that was not smart. That looked ugly. It looked ugly. We were running an ugly game. I booked a job. They required me to have their equipment rather than just my own. Everybody who knows me knows I'm all about portability and all that. But we've gotten so far off the track with portability, not just with them requiring me to lug this iMac everywhere I went so that I could work and stay remotely, but even our own gear for the podcast and all that. We talked about this a little bit in New Haven. Mm Mm-hmm. 
how we were going to sort of not just try out new towns or hotels or Airbnbs or restaurants anymore, but we were actually going to like, you know, start visiting different studios to yes. do our show. Because we don't want to lug it all the equipment around anymore. It's a, it's a lot and going up and down elevators and in and out of cars and, you know, uh, parking lots, you sometimes have to park your car two blocks away and, uh, you know, you have to make sure all your lug, all your equipment is out of it. And there's some things that we don't even need right there when we're recording, we True. might need it later, but we have to unload everything. So we were not being very efficient. And so we're going to try because I really want to work that four hour work week. <laughs> I don't see the four-hour work week ever being in our uh, forecast, but I will say I'm excited about the prospect. I'm so excited about the prospect of not lugging the gear around anymore that when I dropped you off at Newark Airport so that you could go fly to be with your mother and get her down to the house in Florida, I actually drove straight from Newark all uh, the way back to Florida. So you didn't have to unload the and car. My, and my friend Patrick was like, you're out of your mind. And I said, I could not imagine taking that crap out of the car one more time over the course of the six weeks we were gone. So I have a question. When you got to Florida, did you just leave everything in the car and go right to bed? I really did. Yeah, because our <laughs> neighborhood's safe. So <laughs> like I took out the computer and the camera, but I left like all the tripods, all of the gear, like so much of the- Oh my gosh. I mean- there, look, one of the biggest challenges that I think we were facing when we were traveling and trying to do the show and you working remotely, and we've talked about this briefly is, um, for us, it was always making sure the Wi-Fi in the hotel or the Airbnb yeah. was, uh, was able to withstand what's the word am I using? Like able, you were able to get to accommodate. Yeah. To accommodate the, the bandwidth and that the I one, needed to do my job. Yeah, yeah. And so the one thing that you did, okay, you you do oh, have yeah. to talk about this. I do have to talk and about this. You have this. to talk about the problem and then how you resolved it and yeah. what you're now using. But this is not funny, funny. It's stupid funny. Uh, so I decided before our last trip, before we left, that I was going to order a satellite because I was so tired of, I was going to order a Starlink from Elon Musk's company, right? I'm not a huge fan of Elon Musk. I think he's kind of a D-bag, but- if it was going to solve my problem, I was all about it. And I actually had editor friends, my friend Tim uh, specifically used it while he was on vacation with his family. Okay. I think it works in a cabin or an Airbnb type setting. We found out quickly it was really difficult in a hotel setting. The satellite requires you to be able to open the panel up to the open sky, which you cannot do in a hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> but aside from that, I order it. It says it's going to deliver immediately. 10 days go by and it's time for me to leave for Connecticut. And the thing is still not here. So my brother-in-law, Ron, is kind enough to ship it up to me in New Haven when we're staying at the hotel. It arrives. I'm so excited. $80. Yeah. $80 just for shipping. Yeah. And I'm so excited. I unbox it. I get it going. It's booting. And four days later, when we left New Haven, it was still booting and we were on our way to Montreal. Get to Montreal in the apartment there, not working. Finally, I call them up. I just said, hey, this thing's not working, whatever. They run a few tests. And sure enough, they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to send you a new one because this one's defective. <laughs> and we like, still had like another- Three weeks, two weeks. Yeah, to carry now the satellite around. Yep. Now we're carrying a satellite around that doesn't work. I'm in a different country 
and they send me a return label. It's domestic. Yeah, of course it is. And so, of course, I have to travel all through Canada with this stupid satellite uh-huh. and this stupid iMac on uh-huh. the top of our car. Everywhere <sighs> we go, every time I we pulled- just look like hillbillies. You know that, right? Uh, I don't think we look like hillbillies. We look like amateurs. It looked like I was. I had five people in my crew, and it was just a podcast for you and I. It's. It was, it was dumb. So, but it's been like this for so long. Like when we pulled up in Auburn at that beautiful hotel, Yeah. oh, it was embarrassing. Like everything was falling out of the car. I'm so over that. Like we have to be yeah, we're more efficient. We're doing backpacks from now on. I'm adding another hour to my four hour work week. I'm going to make it a five hour work week. We're going to solve this problem. That's right. Look, we're over a year in and we understand people, um, some people just do everything on YouTube. I, I did. It's not know really. That. I know. I did not realize the viewing habits had changed so dramatically. It's crazy. Specifically, I mean, I look at our demographics. We're doing very well, by the way, in the twenty-five to fifty-four age range. That's so I, odd. I never thought a bunch of fifty-four-year-olds would actually choose to watch YouTube over any of the other offerings when it comes to entertainment. But yet here we are. So that does say a lot about how YouTube as a platform has not just like sure. It was it was the new fancy thing. Then it exploded. Then it seemed to taper off. But now it's like legit. It's just it just holds its own. Like so many people just you know. I I only ever used it for music videos and how do I fix the headlight on my car? Yeah, no. When I when I people ask me if I have a YouTube, sometimes I will ask them, uh, "Do you watch YouTube often?" Oh my gosh! Whenever I ask that question, it's always the same. Yeah. Yeah, I do everything on YouTube. Like, And they look at us like we're the crazy ones. Completely. Yeah. And, you don't watch YouTube? And there's no demographic I'm talking about here. I just asked a 57-year-old woman from Russia who I met in New Jersey. It was like, oh, yeah, I do everything on YouTube. A uh, 70-year-old man, I do everything on YouTube. I'm like, this is crazy. I know. I know. I thought it was just the like uh, the millennials and the Gen Zers, but so a platform that we thought we were just gonna that was just gonna house our videos has now become really integral in how integral integral in, what I say integral. It's not integral. It's integral. Okay, well that too integral. It's become very important in how we get <laughs> well done <laughs> our podcast out there. So thank you. Yeah, we're, I mean we can't complain about that. It's just, oh, I'm it, not complaining. Nobody ever was. Has, I mean, it sounds like I'm complaining because it's like now I got to bring camera and lights and all this other stuff with me wherever oh, I no. go. It's, it's like we're not co- doing that anymore. So get used to seeing us probably with mixed results across the country in different podcast studios. I just think that's the way to go for us from now on. It'll be fine. Anyway, I've enjoyed this episode. I think it was a little more free flowing than uh, you anticipated when you sat down today. But. That's okay. I knew that we were going to talk about some things that were more current in our lives. And um, we have a bunch of cities to talk about that are coming up. But uh, yeah, people had been asking also, like, what's going on with your mom since I posted the video of her on our socials? And uh, and it was just perfect to kind of you know let everyone know this is what's happening. And it gives us an opportunity to uh, hit the reset button on the way we do our podcast, but also, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, we're going to have a new way in the coming months to think about our mobility. Yeah. And we, look, I already have my cities mapped out. So, you know, we may just strap mama to the top of the car. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, at least you won't be able to hear her talking up there. Oh, no, not at all. Yeah. I don't think she's going to go for that though. I'll just give her a cocktail. She'll be fine. Yeah, she's putting her back on the cocktail diet. (laughs) What do you say? 
empty nest, full tank. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys.